Welcome to the Have You Ever Podcast. My name is Michael Nielsen, a fitness enthusiast, lifelong learner who is always asking questions. Each week I will dive into topics you've always wanted to know more about, but never had the courage to explore. Thanks for spending time with me today. Now let's jump into your weekly dose of Have You Ever. Hey, what's going on? This is episode number 37 of the Have You Ever podcast, and I am your host, Michael Nielsen. Another week has passed and another snowstorm here in southern Ontario. I had the goal of trying to get out for over 150 kilometers each week of running, and unfortunately, this snow has really limited my ability to get out. I did hit 100 kilometers the last two months, but I think come the spring, 150 kilometers will definitely be within reach. Here in southern Ontario where I live, we had in the month of January 75 centimeters of snow. And just to put that into perspective, that represents 153% of the normal total for the month of January for what a normal snow amount will be. Still waiting on the snow totals for February, but I'd imagine we will see another big record-breaking month. This week I chatted with Kayla Horton about urban planning. Kayla is an inspiring urban planner. She was introduced to planning profession during her third year at McMaster University, where she received a Bachelor of Science in Environmental Science and Geography. Kayla is now finishing her last year of school at Mohawk College studying urban and regional planning. She has had internships in both the private and public sector of planning. She hopes to make a positive difference to society by contributing to sustainable development practices that meet future growth demands while sustaining natural heritage features that are protected. Kayla's favorite part of urban planning is the chance to contribute to creating and improving communities that positively shape people's everyday lives. Kayla is a student member of the Canadian Association of Certified Planning Technicians and will officially be a certified planning technician upon graduation this spring. She is also a student member of the Ontario Professional Planners Institute and plans to work towards her registered professional planner designation through work experience. She is excited to finish school and enter the planning profession full-time this coming spring. Kayla, also like myself, is hopeful that come this spring, the Toronto Maple Leafs will be hosting the Stanley Cup and end this long, long drought. Highlights of today's episode include, Kayla talks about her journey becoming a planner and the process to become certified. We discuss how modern cities are planned and the role that planners assist in this process. Kayla discusses some of the hot topics in urban planning here in southern Ontario, how the Niagara Escarpment impacts building, and much more. If you enjoyed today's conversation, please share it with a friend, and please rate and review Have You Ever on iTunes or Spotify. It really does help this podcast grow. Here we go with Kayla Horton on urban planning. Well, welcome, Kayla, to the podcast. I'm so excited to have you joining me today. How are you? I'm good, Mike. How are you? Thanks for having me. Great. Thank you. So before we just start our discussion on urban planning, can you tell our listeners a little bit about yourself and why you decided to pursue a career in urban planning? Yeah. Um, well, right now I'm 
almost starting my career in urban planning. I'm in my last year of school. Um, I went to, I got a bachelor's in environmental science. Um, and in my third year of university, that's when I was introduced to urban planning. So once I got my bachelor's, I decided to pursue it further. So now I am going for my planning technician diploma. Um, so that's where I'm at right now. I'm in my last couple months of that, and then hopefully to start my career in planning. I've worked as a planning student for municipality um, over the past summer, and now I'm an intern, a planning intern at a, a local planning firm. So I'm getting um, some real world experience while I'm going to school. Um, so hopefully to start my career off on a good foot, um, but hopefully getting there soon. Right, and in and, and both the private and the public sector as well. Yeah, so I have uh, some experience in both, um, the private and public, and uh, both have been great so far. So for someone who wanted to work in your industry of urban planning, uh, now at least here in Ontario, I'm sure you have a a little bit more experience because it might be different other locations. What are the prerequisites for education and what does it take to become a certified planner? Yeah, so there's two types of certifications in planning. There's the first one would be um, it's with OPPI, Ontario Professional uh, Planner, Ontario Professional Planning Institute, um, and uh, Canadian Institute of Planners, so CIP and OPPI. Um, And once you are with those associations, you get behind your name an RPP designation, Registered Professional Planner in Ontario. In order to become that, you can go for actually an undergraduate degree in planning. I believe the schools that do that are Ryerson, um, Toronto, Waterloo is really famous for it. Um, And I think uh, Queens has one as well. Um, So you can do that route. Uh, If you go to those accredited schools, then after graduation, you become a student member uh, for those and then you can make your way I believe it's a two to three years to get that designation and become a practicing planner in Ontario Um, but for me I actually did it um, the unconventional way I didn't know about planning um, until like I said before my third year university and that's when I decided to pursue it further but since I was already getting my bachelor's in environmental science um, I had to kind of figure out a different way to get it so I am doing the way where I'm getting actually a CPT designation a certified planning technician um, from a college and once you get that that's a two-year diploma then you can I believe the two colleges Uh, locally are Mohawk and I believe it's Fanshawe College that has it as well. Um, They have a sister program with Ryerson that you can go to after for two years. So you finished two years of college and then you go to your third and fourth year of your bachelor's. You can then get your bachelor's of urban and regional planning. However, since I already have mine, um, OPPI actually has a prior learning assessment route. So I'm going to be getting my RPP designation, hopefully through that route, which is five to seven years of experience in the planning field. And then I can become a a practicing planner. Um, So mine's a little longer, but it's more experience. Um, So that, that's, that was my way, but both ways. I mean, you get there. The the uh, seven to ten year route or the simple uh, <laughs> conventional route. 
Yeah. I mean, I, I mean, I guess I could have, you can also go for a master's in planning, whatever you, whatever you have in your undergraduate degree. But for me, I wanted to, I learned best by experience. So either route's good. I've talked to people, um, practicing planners now, both places I've worked where there's people who have done it both ways. So there's both ways to get there. So what are some general projects that a planner might work on and what are some particular skills that make a good planner? So projects are very broad and it ranges. It can be as small as a severance um, on a property or a minor variance on a property, um, or it can be as big as a huge development on one property or, you know, acres of property in a town. Um, that's more community planning. And then there's also where you plan for the long term. So each um, municipality, local, regional, will have an official plan that'll plan for the next 40 to 50 years. So there's also long term planning that goes along with that. So it's really broadened the projects that a planner can work on. Um, right now, I'm doing more of the community planning side. So I work on developments that are happening right now instead of, you know, working on an official plan that's planning for 40 to 50 years of growth. Um, so the projects that I work on are development, usually development applications for clients. Um, and I think what makes a good planner for doing those is I think number one is being ethical as a planner, because there's so many stakeholders involved in any kind of development application, whether it's big or small. Um, there's so many stakeholders, there's the public, there's the private sector, there's, um, you know, all sorts of different interests. Then you have the developer, you have environmentalists, um, you have people that want to grow density wise. They would rather see high rise versus single detached homes. And as a planner, I think you have to think of what is smart planning. And I try and remember everything that you learn in school and for your colleagues on what is smart and sustainable planning. Um, rather something that I want, what is the public good? A planner, what makes a good planner is always thinking of the public good instead of your own interests or even sometimes the interests of someone who's making the money off a project. It has to be, you always have to have the public good um, in mind. So I think that's what makes a really good planner is the ethics of it. So you've now had the opportunity to work both in the private and the public sector of planning. Can you talk to what the differences are between those two? And do you have a personal preference on which one you would rather work in? Right now, I, I don't have a personal preference just because I've spent equal time in both. Um, but so the municipal side of planning is your your role as a planner is to be, I like to think of a planner as the middleman. So your job is to coordinate between the planners in the private sector and their clients who are um, developers or property owners and with the different um, parts of the municipality, uh, water, wastewater, um, then you have, uh, you know, ser servicing needs and you talk to all the departments in the municipality. So you're bringing all those kind of people together. Um, and also you have architects and you have, um, who else? Architects, engineers, um, uh, environmental planners as well. So you're the person that they go through in the municipality. So you're the ones that's kind of the person where the private sector, the planning firm in the private sector is going to go to with an application and you circulate that application to all the departments. And at the end of the day, you're the one who gives a recommendation to council, whether you think that this development should go through or not. And I think the important thing about, especially planners in the, I mean, the, on the municipal side is planners don't make decisions. We make recommendations. 
um, to council. Planners do not make decision the decisions council does. Um, so that was a big thing that I learned about municipal planning. And on the private side, you are the middleman for all the different working parts that get that development application to the municipal planner. So you're working with everyone who's doing supporting studies for a development. Um, you're working with the developer, the client, the architect. Um, then you have, you may have an environmental site assessment that you have to do. So you're going to reach out to a firm that can do that. So you're pretty much a project coordinator without on actually, both sides. Right. Without actually being one. Yeah, exactly. So what is the process of planning for the growth of an urban area? I know that question is kind of broad, but, and also how might that have changed from say how cities were developed a thousand years ago or even a hundred years ago? You know, I think as we kind of talked about uh, quickly before we started, you know, I like how say a city like Paris is built out in a pinwheel uh, fashion or how a lot of modern cities are built on like a grid fashion. Are these practices still occurring today? And you know, how might someone who has no idea how a city or an urban area might be planned, how does that actually happen? So actually planning has not been around for a while. It's actually, it's fairly new. It came in the, 19, uh, the late 1960s. And at least here locally in Ontario, the lot fabric um, is based on a grid plan. Um, so we are very different than Europe in that scenario. Um, but city, so cities weren't really planned in the long range, not until recently. Um, but the way that cities are planned is through policies, at least in Ontario. Um, we're a policy led planning system. Um, it starts with at the provincial level. So we have the provincial policy statement, which is the overarching theme of how cities will grow. And from there, there's, at least for where we live, the Greater Golden Horseshoe, there's also then the growth plan for the Greater Golden Horseshoe. And then that trickles down to the regional and municipal pol policies and official plans that have to follow that. So it really comes down to really how the province sees planning to go. Um, and the way to start an official plan is always to consult with the public because it's how the public wishes to grow. Um, for example, I know in Hamilton, they just did a um, consult with the public whether to grow outwards or upwards. So whether to extend the urban boundary or to um, keep the urban boundary as is and do new growth in the urban sector. So that's going to affect their official plan. I believe that their decision was based on what the public was saying and what planning uh, department was saying that they are not extending the urban boundary and they're going to grow upwards versus outwards. Um, so that's how cities are planned in a nutshell, but it takes a lot more work than that. But that's a, that's the quick gist of it. Right. When urban areas are being planned, how do trees or any other factors related to green spaces get factored into that planning process? That's a huge part. So usually for every development, uh, I would say, and again, I'm not an expert on this yet, but I would say about 90% of the time you need a tree management plan along with, um, you know, your planning justification report for a project when you bring it to municipal planners and to council. So usually that would uh, look at the trees and you would get a firm that specializes in that. Um, so a, a tree management plan for the trees. The environmental aspect of it is is pretty interesting because 
there's a lot of different factors where the Niagara Escarpment is. The Niagara Escarpment Commission actually has their own plan that has to be followed. And those designations on their plan then has to trickle down into the local bylaws, the official plan. Um, then you have conservation authorities, which also have their own policies. So that all kind of comes together in the local official plan. So when you're first learning, when I was first learning how to read official plans, um, the first place you go to is, they're called schedules, which are just a fancy word for maps. And those land use designations are based on provincial policies and also the environmental plans, if there are any that go along with that land. Um, so conservation authorities, the Niagara Escarpment Plan, um, near Oak Ridges Moraine, they have one as well. Um, and usually what stops a development too or limits a development is the environmental features, especially now um, with everything with climate change, that's a huge part of planning. And I think one that's gonna be really impactful for the future of planning. You and I both live here in Southern Ontario. So let's talk about a couple of general themes that we might see for urban planning in our area and maybe a few kind of hot topics. So the GTA or Greater Toronto Area plus Hamilton and Niagara, for those who aren't familiar in Canada, is often bundled together um, within sort of a, a breed or an urban area. And it is a very large population here in Canada. So how can we continue to support the fast-growing communities that we find in those areas? And how do planners help support that growth? So that's, that, that is a hot topic question because the growth in our area is one of the fastest growing areas um, in North America, actually. And we have the most complicated planning system, I believe, in all of North America because of our policy-led planning system. And we have the most policies that we have to go through. So you have the provincial policy statement first. Well, first the planning act provincial policy statement, then there's a growth plan for the Greater Golden Horseshoe. And then you have the regional official plan, the local official plan, the zoning bylaws, the Niagara Escarpment plan. Uh, usually, I believe near Mississauga, they have, uh, uh, I think all of Mississauga is under the cons a conservation authority. So you have that plan. And Toronto, actually, they have their own set of planning. They don't follow the same set of planning policies that we follow over here in Niagara. So wherever you are, it's going to be different. And there's so many policies um, that kind of move growth. The thing about that is it's, it's hard to manage growth when there's a lot of setbacks in policies and changings in government. So I think that's what we're seeing now, especially with the housing crisis that Ontario is seeing for housing affordability. And again, I'm not an expert, but we do have a housing shortage. And I think part of that is because there's just not enough land near to build homes everybody wants a single detached home lately but that's just not sustainable and because we have such envir environmental features such as the Niagara escarpment and we have um amazing soil here the top soil for farming so we have to really be careful on how we use our land and I think that plays a huge part in the growth here um we're growing so fast but yet we have all these setbacks because of you know our great environmental features and all the policies that go along with that. So I think we're going to see a real reshaping of how we plan sustainably um, in the greater Golden Horseshoe, especially when it comes to uh, transit. That's a really important thing. I know for us, it, you know, to get from 
A to B on the highway now is takes you double than it would have, say, 10 to 15 years ago. And so we're trying to plan for public transit in an area that's planned basically around the automobile. So we're trying to plan sort of backwards, you might say. Right. I almost think as you were talking, uh, almost thinking like a snowball effect, you know, where you push a snowball down a a sharp cliff and it's just going to pick up speed. And that's almost like what we're happening with our population. But what you're saying is you're almost trying to slow it down so it doesn't get as destructive as it continues to grow and grow and grow. And we're, we're getting to that point. Exactly. And I think too, it's trying to, I mean, I know for me growing up, you know, everybody dreams of having their, their property where you have a front yard, a backyard sort of thing, but that's just not sustainable anymore. And as that changes, especially here, um, we have to think about smaller lot sizes and denser communities and they're called complete communities where everything is within you know a five 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 minute five to ten minutes whereas right now at least where we live here we're what we call a bedroom community so we we sleep here we go to the grocery store that's pretty much it but most people for their employment if they want to do anything you know go to the mall uh recreation go to the movies you go to a different community that's not where we live. So we have a lot of those bedroom communities where I think mm-hmm. we need to start creating more complete communities. Um, so I think that's also uh, a big, you might say, shift um, the way that our communities are planned where we are right now. With the Niagara Starbent, the way it uh, currently has, and you've made reference to it a couple of times with that kind of natural boundary that we have and the rules surrounding you know building close to it, can you speak to what the rules are on building in and around the Niagara Scarment? Yeah, so most of it's to protect, because um, that's where most of our farmland is. So most of it's to protect the soil there um, and to keep, you know, our rural um, economic system sustainable um, and growing food locally. Again, it all comes down to pretty much climate change is a huge part of planning. So to, to keep that um, protected is really important. And also, you know, the cultural impact of the Niagara Scarpment. I know not even building specifically on the Niagara Scarpment, places I know the city of Hamilton in their official plan, even in downtown Hamilton, they have height requirements due to, to so that the views and of the Niagara Scarpment is maintained within the downtown core of the city, which is below. So I think it comes down to environmental features, protecting that, you know, rural system, but also protecting the cultural uh, significance that the Niagara Scarpment has, especially people, you know, it's, it's a huge tourist attraction too. all the, uh, the waterfalls in the Niagara Scarpment, the hiking trails, and, you know, we have cities down below around Lake Ontario, but that is, as soon as you get to the Niagara Scarpment, it's like a whole different world. And I think protecting that is really important, but also, you know, we have to plan for growth. So I think it's a real balancing act, especially with that. But um, the Niagara Scarpment in my planning opinion should be protected, mm-hmm. which it is. So. Yeah, I know there was a, a develop in Hamilton called television city. Uh, that was the old CHCH building that they, have been really stalled on because of the main reason was the height restriction, even though it's nowhere close to the Niagara Scarpment, it impacts on that total growth and what they, the total uh, height of that building was going to be. And that was one of the reasons that it had been slowed down for so long. 
that's a good point. I think that's especially any kind of building near the Niagara Escarpment. Um, those height requirements are really important so that the, the views of it are not impacted. If people wanted to learn more about urban planning and wanted to connect with you on social media, how can they do so? Um, yeah, so my social media, I think probably uh, my Instagram would be best. It's uh, at uh, Kayla Horton uh, 98. Um, and I'd be happy to answer any DMs about planning. It's a it's a fast growing field. And I can say it's very interesting. Planners wear many hats. You have to know um, it's a bunch of politics. It's a bunch of environmental features, engineering all in one. And it's a pretty fun field. And I can say there's always jobs in it because there's always going to be growth. So uh, there's, there's never not a posting. So it's, I think it's a great field to go into. So these next two questions, I always like to ask towards the end of the interview, what's one thing you want our listeners to get out of today's conversation? I think the best thing I can say out of our conversation is, um, Planners, um, the number one message to be a good planner is to always remember planning ethics and to keep the public good at the forefront of any planning recommendations. And also that planners wear many hats and they are part of our plan, our system that plans the communities that we live, work and play. And it's a really fulfilling job. And I would encourage um, those that are looking for a, a passionate career to pursue planning. I feel like at the end of the day, it's, it's really fulfilling. Well, Kayla, what's one thing you want to learn more about? And again, this can be nothing related to our conversation about urban planning today. So it's sort of related to urban planning, but not really. Um, well, planners use it. Uh, geographic information systems is something that I have been trying my best to learn. It's it's quite challenging, but it you pretty much use it in every um, every job now has some sort of GIS in it. And so I would love to learn more about uh, geographic information systems. So if you can get someone that is a specialist in that, I would love to listen to that. <laughs> Well, Kayla, thank you so much for joining me today. And I hope everyone who has listened in learned a little bit more about urban planning and about how your cities that you live in are planned. So thank you so much, Kayla. Thanks for having me, Mike. Thanks for tuning into the Have You Ever podcast. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. If you like what you heard, please rate, review, and subscribe wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. Do you have a topic you would like me to explore? I would love to hear from you. You can follow me on Instagram at haveyouever.podcast. Have a great day and stay curious.